Khalashing for Khalas? Want to bry or fine dine? Stay tuned to High FM on 101.9. Join Adrian Bagatti for SM Fresen Tuesday mornings from 11 a.m. where it's all about the food. Good morning and welcome. I'm Adrian and Chag Purim Samach to everybody. I hope you're having a good and freilicher Purim. And please remember, if you are drinking today, make sure you have a designated driver. No more accidents. It's Purim. We want to enjoy the day and not worry about other things. I also learned something new this Purim. I was always told that Mishlach Monat had to be two brochas, two separate brochas. But it turns out all it needs to be is two different foods. So that made life a little easier this time, putting packages together. Bad news? There's four weeks to Pesach. So we're going to continue with a prep for Pesach message from the WhatsApp group that I belong to run by Lindy Foreman. And in it she has said it's time to buy all our disposables, that is gloves if we use them for cooking and plastic tablecloths if we use them in the kitchens. Uh, look at spare keys if you need to have anything made. Start thinking about load shedding and the seders. I mean, especially in South Africa. So we need to find alternatives to what to do when the lights go out. Um, plague of darkness, here we come. And please buy any and keep aside any kidney or food if you've got little kids so that you can give them something to eat in the week running up to Pesach when your house is nice and clean um, and when you're changing over. And then we start cleaning for Pesach. And the suggestion is to start in places where little and big hands can't get to. So possibly the main bedroom, as those are generally the most responsible people in the household, and should be able to keep your home home. Uh, it's free, or well, that room home it's free at least to start with. And another thing to start doing this week is toiling all new bought items that need to be done. So any glass or metalware, it's a good idea to have that done. Book your appointments if you normally do them for carpet cleaning. Write up your orders for your meat, your chicken, your fish. And obviously looking at baby products, having to buy new bottles, kidney oils and cereals that are acceptable. You can then finish up the main bedroom and moving into a second bedroom or storage area that you know will remain clean. And obviously um, you can continue buying your green Praesach products. Now, the green list is on the Kosher SA uh, website. You can have a look. The green products are products that do not need a Pesach Heksha, and generally they're the kind of products that don't need a Heksha at all during the year either. So that's an important thing. Now, moving on to today, which is Purim, one of my favorite things about Purim is that I get to play with food for the Purim Surda. So this year we're at, we went to Shul for the dinner on Monday night. It was wonderful, uh, beautiful theme, and we had a lot of fun. Some places are doing it this afternoon at about 5 o'clock. You can find those from your Shuls. And then Tuesday we usually, well, we're going to finish at having fun at home. So what I normally do um, for my Purim at home is take a journey and do my fake trafe. Um In the past, I've done cheeseburgers. We've had all sorts of things. And one of my favorite ones is a prawn avo and citrus salad with a citrus vinaigrette. Now, these are vegan. They prawn-style shapes uh, made 
um, that you can buy in the freezer department at the shops, and they are stunning. And I will give you the recipe. This is Adrian Bugatti on the SN Freshen Show. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fresen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. Hi. Okay. So the first thing I need to remind people before I give you this recipe is that I'd like to know about your budget ideas, your favorite recipes, or an ingredient that you're curious about. And you can send us an SMS on 34519. Send a telegram on 061-895-1019. You can call the studio on 0101-403020 or send us an email to info at highfm.com. Now, I was talking about my one of my favorite Purim recipes um, just for the fun of it. It is not a budget-friendly recipe. I'm just going to put that out there. The ingredients are not budget-friendly, but it is so yummy. It is called prawn, avo, and citrus salad with a citrus vinaigrette, and it is totally vegan. So here it is. You're going to make the citrus vinaigrette. Um, you're going to put it all into a food processor and season to taste, set it aside. It is... Um, Clemgold juice, it's lemon juice, salt, pepper, and vinegar. And then there's the pickles and red onion, which is you're going to take apple cider vinegar. You're going to heat it up. You're going to put some water, some sugar, some salt, some peppercorns, some bay leaves in a small saucepan to just heat up and gently dissolve the sugar. When the sugar's dissolved, you're going to slow, pour that sorry, over the sliced red onion and leave it to pickle for at least an hour. Longer if possible, um, it's because it, the longer you can um, pickle these things, the better it is. And it is just amazing as a pickle on its own. You don't need the... Um, uh, should I say you don't need to put it on the prawns You can put it on burgers if you want um, So that's a nice one And then you're going to serve everything on a bed of uh, pea shoots, microgreens You put two avos onto the lettuce You top it with the prawns You top it with some clem gold uh, segments You garnish with your pickled onions Your spouts, your pomegranate seeds And serve it up so I'm going to give you the um, the ingredients properly now. Sorry, I printed out the recipe and it did not come out very well. So let's have a look at what we need for this recipe. And it will be available on the Chai FM website after the show. So your ingredients for your vinaigrette was half a cup of canola oil, two tablespoons of Clem Gold juice, one tablespoon of lime juice and the zest of one lime, one tablespoon of chives, freshly chopped, two teaspoons of Dijon mustard, one tablespoon of either coconut sugar or maple syrup. And please try and get the proper maple syrup. Um, we can get the maple sort of flavored syrup. It definitely changes the flavor. And some salt and pepper. So that is your citrus vinaigrette. You're going to combine everything together and just put it aside. As I said, for your pickled onions, it's a half a cup of apple cider vinegar, a cup of water, one and a half tablespoons of sugar, two teaspoons of salt, 
six black peppercorns, two bay leaves, and obviously your large red onion, nice and thinly sliced. So you're going to do all your vinaigrette. Um, for your main ones, you're going to do uh, to serve it, should I say, is the pea shoots, micro herbs, two ripe avos, uh, nicely sliced, three clam golds or soft citrus peeled um, fruit, segmented, and obviously those little, the pith, which is the little stringy bits, have that removed. Um, a handful of fresh sprouts of your choice. Obviously, if you don't want to check them, then don't put them on. And two tablespoons of pomegranate seeds. And it is absolutely delicious. Um, the picture on the website that will be with the recipe is actually my picture of having made it. And I think I did quite well with that. So hopefully you'll enjoy that recipe as well. You don't have to keep it for Purim, though. It's just a nice starter as well. Um, especially a summer starter. So that's it. Now, today I have a guest in studio. It doesn't happen often, um, but when it does, I have some interesting people. And my guest today is Dylan Forey. Dylan Fowry, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Um, thank you for having me. Uh, I do appreciate this. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about Dylan. Dylan has been a chef for over 10 years. He, um, he's been working in the kosher industry. He worked in the Sephardi kosher industry for a little bit. He worked in the non-kosher industry and recently finished up working at a high-end dining restaurant. And then he's done some kosher cooking in Zimbabwe and he's about to go back there and embark on another journey um, this month. So that's going to be very interesting. So the first thing I have to ask you is what made you want to get into the food industry? So it's it's actually been since I was a kid and everything. I started uh, baking and cooking um, at a very early age. And as I progressed in that, I, I had meals and that that my, my parents would not even try and touch. <laughs> Can't say and, blame them. <laughs> and I've had baked goods spoil. I've had things flop and all of that. But everything is a process. It's it's the process. It's learning on how things actually work, how the chemicals and all of that work when you're baking and what acid does to protein and all of that. Everything is just a, a journey along the way and finding flavor that has actually inspired me. And I've got a lot of appreciation and that specifically from some of the chefs that I have worked with as well over the years. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, becoming a chef, what has been your biggest challenge to becoming a, ch a chef? My biggest challenge in becoming a chef at, to be fairly honest in that it was not difficult um, but being a chef in that is, it is very time stressful. It's, um, you, you don't have family time. You, uh, working from six in the morning until 12 o'clock in the evening, six days a week. And you, you don't really have a personal life. Mm. And, um, it's also one of the reasons why I've gone away from the hotels, away from the restaurants and that, to 
to actually embark on a different chapter of my, my, my life as well. Yeah, I, th- I think, well, besides the traveling, I think going and becoming a private chef is also going to make a difference. You get to choose your hours. Um, although I do know, like, we've worked together, we know that the days that when you are in the bush and when you are cooking for people, it is sometimes an 18-hour day, so it can be extremely exhausting. And... Um, Obviously, you know, there's, you've got to be able to let off steam. So how are you letting off steam when you finish your exhausting days? So how I usually let off steam on my days off and that um, is usually taking care of my animals. Um, it's going and playing airsoft. Mm. Um, well, that, that's been a lot, of, a lot more recently than that. Um, I like to also go rock climbing and that and... Also spending time with my girlfriend. Yeah, and when he talks about his animals, um, people, it, he means snakes. Um, yes. <laughs> so what can I say? Um, quite a few snakes too. So it's not even a little one. Um, tell me something like ingredient wise in your cupboard. If somebody's starting a new cupboard, what is like for you? The must have ingredient besides salt and pepper. We all know chefs want salt and pepper. <laughs> What else is yours? My go-to in the kitchen is having a properly stocked spice rack Mm. because I find it is exceptionally difficult in that to try and complete a meal and that if you don't have the right amount of spices or anything like that. And also on top of that as well, having um, having something acidic to balance your flavors in that in the meal. Okay. Yes. So lemon juice is a must have. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I am talking to Dylan Fowry all about being a chef and you're listening to the Essen Freshens show. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Freshen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. Right. So Dylan and I were um, talking about things that he has to have. So a well-stocked spice or spice rack, what's on that? So well-stocked, um, it's just having all the basics in that, cinnamon, cumin, coriander. Um, I feel that going extravagant on spice mixtures and that is a little bit overcomplicating in that because it's a single-use, one-item thing. Like uh, if you... Mm. How how would I say it? Um, so if you want, say, like a curry spice. If you want a curry spice, it's the thing is, it's easy. We have the knowledge at our fingers in that. Um, I myself, I use uh, an application on my phone, which is called Grande, which is actually for professional chefs. And mm. if I'm looking for a specific mixture or if I'm looking for something to enhance a meal, mm. I use that. Mm. But... Um, Google is at our fingertips at, at all times of the day. So yep. if you're looking for a spice mixture and if you don't have enough, you might just have enough in your house and you can mix it yourself because yes. it gives you the, the proportions. Yes. So that, that I must admit I have a chicken spice that I've been using. Well, it's actually my mother's. Um, and the problem is it's a little difficult to get sometimes. Because finding onion salt or onion powder is very hard to find, and yes. it goes hard very quickly. But literally, my chicken spice is 
equal amounts of paprika, onion salt, and garlic salt. And you just sprinkle that on the chicken, and it's amazing. So when we look at that, and I know I've had a few recipes where um, it was an American one, and it asked for the spice, and I'm like, I've never even heard of this. So go Google it. I'm like, oh, everything's there. Okay, put it together. It's a really good spice. Um, technically, it's meant for fish, but I use it in my vegan burgers. Um, so <laughs> you know what? works fine. Um, and in my house, according to family, uh, chicken is considered a flying vegetable. So it doesn't count as meat. So we use it on that too. Um, and then what would you say is the favorite food to cook with or favorite things to make? Like what uh, is your favorite? F- is it fish, chicken, beef, seafood, what? So – I love working with poultry. I love working with fish. I love working with meat. I, I did work in a butchery in that for, for two, two and a half years in that. And it was a, a very, very big eye opener in that on how much processing and everything goes into that. And I love working with meat, mm. but also I love working with fish because of how delicate it is and the subtle flavors in that, that it has. But if I had to choose one of my favorite proteins and that would probably be duck. Yeah, duck ham. And <laughs> especially if, uh, as as Adrian has said, as, um, I, I do make uh, either duck ham or duck prosciutto. Um, and it usually takes about two to three weeks on curing. But the, the end result in that is absolutely superb. It is slightly oily and greasy and that too uh, on the texture when you slice into it and that and you've got this rich fattiness to it and it's absolutely beautiful. I'm looking forward to tasting that. We'll just defrost the duck though. <laughs> um, and you'll be doing that for me as well. Um, I'm looking forward to something like that. Okay, favorite kitchen tool or appliance? Okay, so... Favorite kitchen appliance is a vacuum packing machine because <laughs> you can vacuum pack anything. Yes. Um, hands down, uh, it's always a must have, especially if you're not going to use all of the ingredients that you're going to be using in that for, for a meal mm-hmm. that you can just vacuum pack it, especially proteins in that. It keeps it from oxidizing and it also helps at, as well when you're doing, um, a cooking process called sous vide, which is um, a water bath that is temperature controlled to at very low temperatures, and it's absolutely beautiful. You can cook a perfect medium rare steak in there. You can um, braise your your oxtail or or um, brisket or mm. uh, short ribs and that, and you can let it go for 12, 14, 24 hours, and you will have the most tender meat you've ever had in your life. And then my my own personal equipment and that, I will always swear by a good sharp knife. Yeah. I know all, all chefs have that. They have their particular knife that they use, and you mustn't touch it. <laughs> okay? <laughs> That's the first thing. I do know that. Um, and I also know the reason that the chefs like the sharp knife is because 
it actually prevents, I know it sounds weird, prevents accidents because your knife is not slipping. However, the problem with that is also when it does slip, the injury is usually more severe than if it was a blunt knife. Wow. But there are less, there, yes, some people have lost <laughs> fingertips. We know. <laughs> um, so, so that is a reason why chefs prefer the sharp knife. Um, and for those who do, you need to be very careful. And that's something coming up now with Pesach. What happens is a lot of us have these very sharp knives for Pesach because we only use them once a year for a couple of days. And you need to be careful with that. So just take care when using them because I know most people do not sharpen their knives at home. Um, I am grateful that my son, it's one of his favorite things to do. I think it actually calms him is he sits and sharpens all my knives. On a regular basis. All I have to do is mention that one might be blunt, and he'll go through the whole lot. It, it uh, is quite therapeutic, I must say. <laughs> yes, the two of you sitting with a whetstone sharpening knives. It was quite an interesting listening in on the discussion of whetstones and how to and what to and all that kind of thing. It was an interesting um, take on, on knives. And I do know that I also prefer to have, like, the sharp knives and that. Now, we're going to be traveling Yes. Your challenge, like I've been doing this for a while, so I know some of the challenges, not from a chef point of view as such. Mine is more as a mashkiach, mashkicha, and um, it does present its own unique and interesting possibilities when you arrive in a kitchen to discover you have a tiny little corner. For you traveling, I mean, uh, you've done it a few times. Uh, and Botswana, I know you've gone to one of my favorite places in Botswana. Um, now we're going up to Zim. We don't know what we're getting there. What are your biggest challenges? There's my, well, it's a, it's always a challenge going into a new kitchen mm. because you don't know really where everything is and um, how the layout is with the workflow and all of that. But being in a kitchen for so long in that, it's it's actually become a second nature. Mm. To, to pinpoint where everything is, being hyper observant and everything, where and how everything moves and every, and, and that. But it's, it's once you get into a workflow and that, uh, there's no stopping you. Nev, ever. Yeah. Um, I have a question, right? We always hear the different levels of chefs. <clears throat> okay. So I want to know, okay, I know your sous chef is often the one who's assisting you or is your second in command type yes. thing. The executive chef. Now, how does it work? Okay, I can understand it in a restaurant where it's the one restaurant, the executive chef is in charge of that restaurant. I'm not sure how service works with the executive chef. Does he do the cooking or does he just oversee that the plating is good or that the food tastes good? How does that work? Normally it does depend on that, especially on the establishment. Um, most of the time, uh, exec chefs don't even go into the kitchen that often. They'll be sitting, they'll be doing menus, they'll be doing costings and all of that. And they're doing mostly admin. And they will give you the menu and then they will give you uh, recipes and everything to then take and start learning how to do it. And then they give you a time and date where the new menu starts. Mm. So... Executive chef will delegate to the sous chef and the sous chefs. Um, so you'll have an executive sous, uh, just a normal sous or a junior sous. Um, it depends on the amount of experience and that. And 
and mm. and that and then they delegate to the rest of the staff in the kitchen. So usually a kitchen brigade can be between six to twenty people in a kitchen. Wow. Sometimes even larger, especially all these big test kitchens and that, uh, where they're doing fine dining, um, 12, 13 course meals and that, because you literally need one to two people working on one item on that menu. Yeah. And then it, when everything is ready and then they start doing service and that, then everyone helps plate. Mm. So it's, it's actually beautiful to see how some kitchens, uh, work. It's one of the, the kitchens that I've always enjoyed uh, um, looking at and everything on YouTube. Uh, it's actually run by a chef by, by the name of Grant Atchett, mm. uh And the restaurant is called Alinea, mm. where um, they even plate the desserts on the tablecloth. Oh, wow. And it is magnificent doing a freeze-dried chocolate mousse and set uh, creme brulees and they, they demold them and then they brulee them and uh, with seven or eight different types of purees and it's it's literally a table of art. Ah, that looks amazing, uh, um, definitely. And it's Everything should be an experience. Mm. Food is not just to fill your, fill your stomach and that. It is an expression of the chef behind the counter every day. And I, I do feel that, um, we are underappreciated. Mm. Oh, absolutely. But you know what? I love the rush of the kitchen and I, I will never ever stop learning yeah. because there's always someone pushing the boundaries and that. And I'll see on a, on the internet, oh, they've done this and oh, they've done that. They've made a foam out of cabbage and then you use lemon juice just to change the color of the actual foam and it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. So I'm actually looking forward to tasting some of the stuff. And I mean, what do you feel like? I know we're beginning a food journey. Um, you're gonna, we're gonna be working a lot together and that. Um, in terms of kosher food, what do you feel that the world, not just South Africa, all over the world, what do you feel needs to change in kosher food and not the cost? We, we know the cost is not changing, unfortunately. That's always going to be expensive. But just so you know, people have said it before, fish is more expensive than meat, even yeah. if you're kosher. Always. So, so with kosher and that, uh, my, my biggest challenge in that is trying to change my perception of how I can use things because, um, especially when it comes to how things are checked and that, then mm. it sort of ruins a, a, a key part of how yeah. I want to plate something, which it, it does put a spanner in the works, but then it also gives me the challenge of, okay, now I have to think of something different. <laughs> yeah, he's talking about when the mashkir told him, I am not checking mint. <laughs> um, it wasn't me. <laughs> um, so, so yes, so that did come. And I know you struggle with the effect that we don't use butter to cook our steaks. <laughs> and you're having to learn how to do that too. Well, it's, it's also given me the, a bit of a challenge as well. Yes, I can't cook my, my steaks in butter, but, <laughs> um, it just means that I'm going to start looking at making compound margarines where I can actually Put flavorings into margarines and use that mm. for 
my steaks, for my fish, for for literally everything. And it's just basically having to work my way out through all these things. And I'm still yet to learn everything about kosher. Um, uh, it's I still need to know more in that. Mm. In in a sense where I I don't know I, I've found out that I can't mix fish and meat on the same plate I can't mix. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of mixtures you can't do. Which is exceptionally annoying for me, but. <laughs> um, yeah, but you are learning, and and look, we're lucky now um, having the vegan cheeses available. Some of them are absolutely outstanding, and for those who don't know what a compound butter is, explain that. Um, so you, so a compound butter, and that is usually, um, you'll take butter, you'll put it into a food processor, and then you will add in, say, um, just trying to think, uh, garlic and herb. So doing garlic and herb, or you, I don't know if the black garlic from pick and pay is mm. kosher or not. Yep. So the black garlic and that you can make a black garlic butter, um, on a non-kosher standpoint and that you can make a blue cheese butter you you you're adding a flavorant to it so one of my actual favorite compound butters as well is uh green peppercorns capers and anchovies which is mm. absolutely to die for but now i need to find out what i can put it on <laughs> uh, you can put it on fish and pasta <laughs> wow. that's a bit that's literally and maybe pizzas Although I don't know about compound butter and pizza, but anyway. I don't but think that no. will work. <laughs> Pizzas, pa so pasta, potatoes, and fish. That's where your compound butter goes. However, we're going to let Dylan experiment with vegan mar butter um, that has come out to see if he can make a compound butter that can go on meat. He just can't use the anchovies, unfortunately. We'll have to find oh. a different flavor um, because if it's put in my anchovies, then you're going to land up with a fish butter, and that's not vegan. Um, so we're going to get Dylan experimenting. Now, you've had more experience, obviously, in the Friday community working in the daily um, as for kosher food yes. than you've had in the Ashkenazi side. So what was your favorite thing to make when you were at the deli? My favorite thing to make at the deli and that uh, was either layering the doner kebab mm -hmm. for the shawamas or actually making the falafel mixture. Which, oh, really? Which, yes, you've got this giant mincer and everything and you, you're putting... 16 kilos of um, of chickpeas through and the onions and everything and grinding it up well and then adding the spices to it and then you have to always test and put it in the fryer um, to see if the mixture holds because the where I worked and everything uh, there was no binding agent to it mm. so it worked off of um, what is the term? The aquafaba okay. that comes out of the chickpeas when you soak them uh, as a binding agent, yeah. which is absolutely amazing. Okay. So thank you. This is Adrian from the Essen Freshen Show. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Freshen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. Right. Um, thank you so much, Dylan Fowry, for coming on and talking about become, uh, being a chef, 
and changing over from not kosher to kosher and learning all these things. So that's a lot of fun. Um, I always like to have fun with the chefs and ask them about their favorite stuff. So thank you so much for coming in. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Okay, time for kosher updates from around the world. Very quiet on the South African front. Um, we have some uh, announcements, though. One from Hof K. The following pretzel pizzazz flavored pretzels have mistakenly been labeled with a Hof K parav symbol. These products contain milk and are certified dairy. They are sour cream and cheese, buffalo blue cheese. That's a new one. And then also an okay uh, response from a reader, David Sunflower Seeds. Original have been marked uh, kosher dairy equipment, but the company's decision is to keep the okay dairy symbol on their product because it can contain dairy at any given time. So please be aware of that. Then IQ bars have an OU dairy on the bars and an OU on the outside of the box. The product is actually dairy equipment. What dairy equipment means is that it is made on a line that actually uses dairy on occasion, but that the actual product has no dairy in it. Then an unauthorized Kashrus Va'ad Habonem labels were mistakenly affixed to True Tides fish packs sold at Stop and Shop stores, sorry, and the following products are not KVH kosher. Salmon portions with feta and spinach stuffing, Alaska cod fillets and flounder fillets. Then they had, uh, they want to just say that the haddock fillets are certified, um, but they're going to fix the incorrect labeling. Then from, um, this is also from CRC. Please be advised that Albaic brand tahini is no longer certified kosher by the CRC. The product that has an expiration date of November the 21st, sorry, 23rd, 2024 and prior is still certified kosher. So if the expiration date is after November 2024, it is not kosher. Then an update from the OU on the 22nd of February. Wellesley Farms Garlic Butter and Herb Seasoning, BJ's Wholesale Club, Marlborough MA has an unauthorized OU symbol. The Orthodox Union does not certify Wellesley Farms Garlic Butter and Herb Seasoning. This um, dairy seasoning bears an unauthorized OU mark. And once again, corrective action is being taken. The rest of the time, the country is quiet. Um, so I once again want to remind everybody to have a Freilach of Purim, to drive safely, not to drink too much, um, and to find out there is a list of um, Megillah readings that we can give to you um, just to help you if you are still wanting to hear Megillah today. Um, I will read them out to you um and you can then choose where you would like to go. Um, we've already done it is now. So Gelatissimo has one at, oh, we've just missed it. It was at 11.30. Then the base has one at quarter to four. Hamaor has one at 4 p.m. Fat Larry's has one at half pa- at 20 past four, sorry. And then at 4.30 is at the HOD if you would like to um, go to Gila Readings for any way with um, all of those kind of things. 
And this has been the Essen Fresen Show. I am Adrian Bugatti, your host. And until next week, stay safe and have a wonderful week.